Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I'm here with yet another high demand coach, and that is Mike Fikera. He's a seasoned entrepreneur and consultant. His core focus is on the growth and scaling strategies for businesses of any size. Now, Mike has had the opportunity to work in a variety of industries over his career, going everywhere from the classroom to the boardroom. He's taken existing businesses and allowed them to see massive growth and stability through just a variety of techniques. Now, He's worked with a couple of brands. You might have heard of them, NEC, Nestle, Brand Ethos, and Top Score Writing, among others. And he's also the author of Like Socks on a Rooster, unbelievable title, by the way, uh, and hosts the Start Down podcast and also the Three Points podcast with his son, Anthony. Well, Mike, I'm so excited to have you on. I had a chance to kind of stalk your website and podcast and stuff ahead of time and just love it. If you just pause now, go check out his podcast. It's fantastic. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm really excited to have you here on the show. Before before we get into you know, the, the really, really cool work that you're able to do with your clients right now, I'd love to just t- rewind for a moment and hear what's your story? What were you doing before getting into coaching and how did that ultimately lead you to make the leap? Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you so much, Scott. And first off, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. You know, um, I say Iron Man is my favorite Marvel character. So I'm a big guy on origin stories because I still think first Iron Man was the best movie ever made. Every, everything else was secondary. Um, but my story is, you know, it's the typical entrepreneur story now, but I didn't know that growing up. Um, you know, terrible student in school. I failed first grade. There's actually a chapter in my book called I Failed First Grade. Um, always struggled school through school, never really did well. Watched all my friends go away to all these great colleges. I ended up going to community college and uh, never really knew what I wanted to major in. And then one day I was waiting tables in a restaurant and one of my former teachers came in and said, hey, would you like to substitute teach? And I'm like, man, if I ever heard of an easy job, I will take that. So uh, went substitute teach and absolutely fell in love with education. Uh, so looked at my my you know college transcripts and said, what, what can I get a degree in fastest? Uh, turns out it was psychology with a minor in theology. So I did that. Um, when I got my temporary teaching certificate and still had to take a few more classes out of graduate, but taught for the better part of a decade. I taught ethics and Bible in a Catholic school. And then I went and got my master's in educational technology and uh, unknowingly went to go work for a startup after I got my master's. And that startup got invested in from a guy by the name of Wayne Heisinga, which if you don't know who he is, he's the guy that grew Blockbuster uh, Waste Management, used to own the Miami Dolphins down here by us in Florida. And I was promised everything under the sun, stock options, equity, my own private plane. I got none of that. Uh, so when that ended, I had two options. One was to go back to the classroom. One was like, wait a second, I think I could help people out and been doing that ever since. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. So if we were to fast forward then, because you've been doing this for a while, what would you say today is some of the most important work you do for your clients? You know, I, I think it's 
and and we also say if you got kids or if you got a pet, right? They're your favorite. Um, and you don't really realize what the faults are until someone else tells you. <laughs> um, and, and I think in business, it's the same is true too. Most entrepreneurs I know get an entrepreneurship not because uh, you know, they wanted a job. They they're doing it because it's something they're passionate about. But sometimes with that, the blinders are on. Um, and you may not see things. Not, not there's anything wrong with that, but it's just kind of seeing the dark spots or the blind sides that you may not see. And I think that's some of the most important work I do is coming in and saying, okay, you know, where are the blind spots? How can we we fix them and how can we get better? And more importantly, how can we get you as an entrepreneur more free time? Um, so you can focus on the things you want to in the business either for growth and scale or just to get some time back in your life. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things uh, I found is, you know, th- those blind spots are often comfortable, right? It's a little scary lifting up the rock and looking what's under it. And so why is it that these blind spots actually prevent us from gaining the freedom that we we're, we really long for? I mean, I, I think in like anything else, because if they didn't, it'd be easy and everyone would be doing it, right? <laughs> there has to be some sort of adversity. I think when you do anything great, there's a challenge. Um, and and if we didn't have those blind spots, it wouldn't be challenging and it would be easy. Um, we also wouldn't have jobs as coaches, right? I mean, those blind spots weren't there. So in some ways, it's just a byproduct of success. It's a byproduct of what you do. You know, I mean, food does not cook unless you make it hot. Um, you know, so it's it's really you need that heat. You need those blind spots to be successful. And it's the byproduct of doing something different, doing something challenging. Yeah. Yeah. You talk um, uh, uh, in a lot of your material about this idea of entrepreneurial cliches that hold us back. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could kind of dive into that. What are some of the the biggest uh, entrepreneurial cliches that we buy? We don't even know we're buying them. Um, my favorite one is your network is your net worth. Um, because I think a lot of people are just, they're, they're, they're either groupies or they're in an entourage. Um, your, your network is your net worth only if you know how to, to work it only if you know how to communicate and leverage. And if you're in the right network, um, you know, there, there's some truth to that proximity to success means you're successful, but there's a lot of people that go around and I think they, they attend all the conventions, they attend all the events, they attend all the networking things, but they, they don't put any effort into the skills or, or implementing what they learned. And they're really just a groupie or they're in an entourage. So to me, that's, that's one of the biggest ones, um, that, that I very often tell people they need to focus on. I think the other one is that, that you have to hustle and grind to be successful, that it's a 24 seven thing that you have to give it, give it your all. Uh, to be great. You know what? Some people do have to do that, but not everybody. And you have to define what greatness is. I think the the hustle and grind culture, I mean, it's nothing new now. I think now everyone's like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense anymore. Um, but those those would be two of my probably biggest ones that I, yeah. that I throw out there for people. And so what's the alternative truth? Because, you know, like you mentioned, there's there's some truth in each of those. What What's the better kind of framing for us as entrepreneurs to understand you know, either how to uh, leverage our network or even how to leverage our own time and energy? You know, I, I think and and it's a cliche word we're using right now, too, I think. But I think there's and someone phrased it differently, which like they're using the word credibility. Um, I think credibility, authenticity. Uh, like I said, it's more the cliche word, but I think credibility, authenticity, and passion are, are really the three biggest things. If you have those um, and you interact with people in that way, not what's in it for me, but what's in it for them mm-hmm. um, and, and saying, how can you help people and how can you do things? I, like I said, I think I've referred more people business than have referred me and that's okay. Uh, the ratio is probably one to 100, but everybody knows that like, oh, Mike's the guy that's got a guy. Yeah. So like people know to come to me for that. So I'm okay with that where most people are like, well, I'd like to put a referral agreement in place so that this way, if we do something together that we each get paid. Look, if I think you're good at something, I'm going to send someone your way. You don't got to pay me. You want to take me out to dinner? Great. I'm not going to say no. But on the same hand, I don't think it, it, you can't always be looking at what's in it for me. You know, what's the win-win? Uh, if you give, the more you give, the more you get. Yeah. Yeah. I had a uh, a guy early in my um 
uh, my career as a coach, it was a coach who'd been around for a really long time. And he said, Scott, you cannot outgive the market. And uh, it was just such timely advice for me. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so let's go after this, this kind of hustle and grind thing, because I hear it a lot. And um, and and again, it's one of those things that there is a little bit of truth to it. There are stories out there of the person who hustled and who you grounded out. You like, and you mentioned there's some people who have to do that. And uh, and so as entrepreneurs, though, I think there's a, a, a heightened tension, especially post-COVID, of like balancing work and life even more than it used to be, right? That used to be something that was kind of like reserved for employees. You know, they they kind of had to do it. And then for entrepreneurs, it's just like work is my life. But now I, I feel that changing. I see it changing. How do we do that? How do we know when, yes, you have to hustle ground, you have to put in the effort, but also how do we know when it's time to look at it another way? Yeah. You know, and, and I love that you asked that question. I ask a similar question on my podcast all the time when I have people on. It's like, you know, that picture of the guy digging for diamonds, right? And there's the one that, he, that gives up. He was right there and turned around the one guy that kept on going. I said, but there's a lot of context behind that picture that's not being answered. Um, I think, too, even the guy that hits the diamond is on the bottom. Like, we don't know if everything fell down on top of him. <laughs> you know, we don't know. If he, I, he may have got there and not got out, too, um, which that that could be the whole other issue. So I think it's, it's really a matter of... Um, and sorry, my dog's barking. <laughs> um, it's really a matter of, you know, are you doing this for the right reasons? Like there's always going to have to be sacrifice. Right. And I think if you go into things beforehand, what am I willing to sacrifice? Right. Um, so like if you know, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice time with my family or, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, money or whatever it is, the willingness to sacrifice it makes the hustle and grind great. But when you start to get into sacrificing things that you didn't want to sacrifice, that's where I think you've gone too far and you've gone in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I, I saw a lot of uh, as I was looking at some of your work was this idea of both strategy and systems right? of of this, this kind of you have to approach it from both sides. Uh, where would you say, you know, the business owners that you're working with, where are they getting stuck strategically? A lot of, you know, a lot of times it's in our own head. I think it's in our own head or our own minds. We're getting stuck in the process of, hey, what it, what am I need to do? No one could do it as good. As, I mean, the, the biggest thing you hear is no one could do it as good as me. You know, no one could do it as good as me. And look, I'm Italian. I love being Italian. Um, and I will tell you, there's very few Italian restaurants you go to that cook a meal as good as my wife does. Doesn't mean, though, but on the nights my wife doesn't want to cook, we still go out for Italian because she doesn't have to do the work. Right. Um, and we save that time and we get a different experience. It, it's a gift to her. So I think it's it's looking at, you know, where the, a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, say, hey, I need to do this. Only I can do this. And that's where they fail. Um, they need to be able to say, OK, I'm going to give this to person X. And it doesn't mean that they do a bad job, but you got to be OK sometimes with 70 or 80 percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. How do you know then? Because I, I think what makes that so challenging is 50% doesn't cut it, right? Maybe 70, 80% does. And, and one of the things that I've found is, especially early in our entrepreneurial journey, we get very good at going by our gut, using ourselves as the uh, as the kind of starting point. Uh, and if I would do it that way, then it works. But now we bring in other folks and they're not doing it the way that we do. So how do we know if them doing it that way is bad or them doing it that way is just different? You don't. You don't until you try. And, and I think the hardest thing is trying, you know, because yes, you may give it to someone and they may not do a good job. And then you may have to be like, wait a second, I gave it to person X and they didn't do it right. So let me give it to person Y or let me give it to person B. And then each time you do it, though, you're going to learn what's right and what's wrong. Um, if you only put it with yourself, 
the failure then comes in. You, you can only correct yourself and who's, who's, who's managing and guiding you. Right. You know what I mean? And, and you may think you're doing it the best, but you're really not. But until you see someone else do it, you may be able to see the flaws in it. Once again, it's putting it on the outside thing. And this could be simple things, right? Like I think a lot of times entrepreneurs are so scared to do it. Okay, well, let's look at the one thing you just don't like to do. I mean, it could be something as simple as like cleaning the office, right? Like, do you, do you like cleaning? I hate it. So hire a cleaning person to do it. You know, oh, that's going to cause me. Yeah, but if it's off your plate, it's a half an hour you get back at night to do something else, to make something else that you want to do better. So it doesn't always have to be to the biggest task or the biggest thing. If you're If you're focused on products, stay focused on product. You know, and then outsource payroll. Someone should be doing your payroll and they may not do it as good as you. But I mean, some things are, are easy to get people to do. I think it's just like having a kid. Right. You got to let them do like the first thing, you know, you got to crawl, walk, run. So I think if you can keep it in that context, that's where you win. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. So uh, let's look at the other side of this then with uh, with systems. And I mean, you and I know that your typical entrepreneur, visionary leader you know, systems are like it's like uh, it's, it's almost a four letter word. It just happens to have too many letters in it. And that's part of the problem as well. Right. It's just yep. it feels complicated. It feels slow. It feels unnecessary. Why are systems such a big part of your client's success? I mean, I think it goes back to what, what you just kind of asked in the earlier question. You know, how do you know what to hand off? How do you know what you got to give away? If there's a system, you can then judge whether or not it's working. It's not a pass fail situation. Like, you know, I, I said early on, I wasn't good at school. Why? Because it was. A lot of times there was a pass-fail situation, right? It was like you, you did something and you got a grade. Entrepreneurship is not like that. Entrepreneurship is a process. And if there's not a system, there's not a process. Uh, there's just there's just task after task after task after task after task thing to do. If there's a process, you're able to judge what's working, what's not working. You're able to see where things are going. You know, I see this a lot with social media. People say, well, I'm posting the social media and I'm putting this up and that up and it's not working. I'm like, oh, yeah, what's your process for, for posting? Well, like I go when I have time and I make a video and I, and I, and I put all this effort into it and I post it and my whole heart's in it and then it gets like three likes. I'm like, it's not a process. That's an emotion, right? Like emotions can get our, will, will misguide you. A process takes the emotion out of it and lets you measure whether or not things are working. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. So we've, we've already covered, it's a, a remarkable actually, when you look back how much ground we've covered in this, but I, I want to kind of pull it all together with a, a question I like to ask all my guests. And that's, what's the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? You know, what's that one thing that you wish everybody listening today knew? It's not that hard. It's not keep that Keep going, hard. keep going. There's, there's gold yeah. in there. Um, I, I like to let that sit for a little bit because some people are like, what? Like it, it really isn't, you know? And I remember being a kid thinking about how hard it was going to be to be an adult. And, you know, someone, I've gotten asked this question twice in the last month, you know, I tell me what I do. I work with entrepreneurs. I have them grow and scale their business. And they're like, well, what makes a business successful? And I'm like, it's the people that are passionate about what they do. And the reason why that's so important is if you're passionate about what you do and you love what you do, when you get punched in the face, it's not going to hurt. You're okay with it. You know, when, when something goes wrong, you're able to handle it in a non-emotional way because you love what you do. And more importantly, it makes the wins feel like a win and not an escape. When people are involved in a business and, and, and they think it's hard and they stress out about everything and they're over it, the wins just seem like a momentary escape from the stress. And the losses feel like the norm. <laughs> and then you get used to being a loser because all you're doing is losing because you think entrepreneurial is supposed to be stressful. It's not that hard. Yeah. If you got a good idea, you got something you love and people are interested in it, it's not that hard. I can't tell you how many business owners I know that have tripped into a million dollar business. Wow. Oh, I just, I don't know. I thought it was a good idea. Started selling some online. Now I'm making a shit ton of money. You know, um, I have another client, you know, she was a teacher 
you know, left uh, the classroom every time she had a baby. And each time she was away, they were like, hey, where, where's your lessons? We could do this. And she's like, should we give them to him? Give them. Finally, by the fourth baby, she's like, wait a second, I got something here. She took a hundred bucks and put all her lessons in a binder, sold it for 200 bucks, made another binder, made another binder and turned it into a million dollar company. So it's just the passion of simplicity and 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 the fact that it's it's not that hard. It's easy. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be hard work, but it's not that hard. And yeah. it's fun. And it's fun. I think one of the, the, the big tragedies for entrepreneurs of the English language is uh that that simple means so many different things right simple can mean you know hard or easy you, you know it can be the easy side and it can also mean simple or complex yeah and there's a lot about entrepreneurism that's just plain hard right getting punched in the face is hard it's not a fun but it's not it's not hard to understand and when we start to convolute those two and we try to make it complica- complicated and complex so we don't get hit in the face, I think that's where we start to run in trouble. And I love the point that you made there is like, if you have the passion, that's what makes it worth it. It's yeah. not always about avoiding every hit. It's about knowing why a couple of hits are worth it and how to roll through the next one. And, and I'll add something to that because I love that you said that, you know, there's people who love getting punched in the face and do it professionally. <laughs> So if you love something enough, you'll do it professionally. I mean, boxers, <laughs> MMA fighters, they, they punch in the face professionally and they keep going after it. They love doing it. So, I mean, it, that's that's where it really shows how great passion is. Yeah, that's so true. It's so true. All right. I've got another question that I want to make sure folks know how they can get in touch with you and, and get a sure. copy of your book. But before we get there, I'm going to have you take off your coach hat for a moment, put on your CEO hat and kind of jump down into the ring with the rest of us. And yep. tell us what's the next stage of growth look like for you as a leader and what challenges will you have to overcome to get there? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, like any business, things are moving fast right now. Um, I, and I think with, with technology, with the way things are changing, um, but we've gotten used to that. So for me, it's it's looking at, hey, what's what's the next things I can integrate? Um, I like the idea of bringing in more people. But for me, on a personal note, as my children get older and they're starting to grow, it's how can I free up more of my time? Uh, I'm really looking at how can I work less? Um, I'm not worried about making more money for me as a CEO. And I know it's, once again, this is one of those contrary things I'm looking at. How do I offload more things that I'm doing to other people and expand my business in a way that I could spend more time with my kids? Because it's a finite window. Um, there's a great book called 18 summers and I, I want to make sure that I'm there for as many as I can with my kids. So yeah. that, that is the next thing for me as a CEO, not really business minded in a sense, but, but a little more personal. No, that's great. I love it. I love uh, you know, that you're able to share that because it's such an important thing. Uh, I'm actually working with a client right now who who just kind of hit that hard, right? She realized like, I've worked all this time to make money and I have the money and now now what do I want? You know, it's like more money is not really that interesting to me. And yeah. uh, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting how success brings its own new set of challenges, right? How before it's kind of like that's that's kind of defined for us, right? You know, it's like I need this sale to break even, you know. Yeah. And then we get the sale. It's kind of like, well, why do I want the next one? Or do I really want the next one? Or yeah. are there other things in life that are important as well? So I, again, I love that you were able to bring that up. I hope you have a fantastic summer uh, with your kids. But um, okay, so last question here is just how can how can folks find more out about what you do? How can they get a copy of your book? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, if you're interested, just very simple. My name, Mike, M-I-K-E, and then my last name, Fakara, F-I-C-A-R-A.com. That'll take you to my website. There's links to my social media. Uh, there's links to buy my book. I'm Mike Fakara on all social media platforms. So if you just type that in, you should be able to find me. I'll either be smoking a cigar uh, or holding my book up, one of the two. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Mike, just a, a privilege having you on the show. Uh, an honor to get to spend some time with you. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, you know your time and attention mean the world to us. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I know I did. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.